0: Content
1: is king. It really is.
0: All the thing. Who said that first? Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. I, yeah, yeah, I, I That's don't know. Yeah. <laughs> one million pieces
2: of God day. Mm. Yes, sir. <gasps> that is one annoying ass man, too. <laughs> I this could is not like be in a room <laughs> with
0: that man. <laughs> this is a
2: Gary V. slander podcast. It's like, I feel like we <laughs> like, talk about could so. Be,
0: he can be smart, but if I had to be in a room <laughs> with that man for <laughs> five minutes, I'm going to punch him. <laughs> it, <it's laughs> You're listening to Clever Entrepreneurship, your source for practical, no-nonsense business advice from real business owners and professionals. I'm Laura Morris. And I'm Eva Maria Foltz. Together, we're on a mission to bring you real talk and real advice from expert guests.
2: No toxic positivity and no fluff. And if you sign up for our email list, which is linked in the description, we'll send you all of the actionable steps from this episode right to your inbox. So
0: sit back, grab a notebook, and get ready to level up your business game with Clever Entrepreneurship.
2: When we talk about the content of your website, Mm -hmm. what is content?
1: It has everything to do with the words coupled with if you have video or uh, even an audio track like this. Uh, uh, I know that there will be a video associated to it, but this is an auditory majority piece of content. Your images is, is content. Uh, so it has everything to do with what a client or potential client is going to hear, see, or experience on your website.
2: Okay. So anything that is on your website at all yes. is content. Like all, the, all the guts. All, all the it.
1: guts. Yes. Absolutely. And
2: does that include like the code and everything?
1: Uh, to a robot, to to Google, having it to where it can be easily scanned and seen as a title versus a subheading versus a paragraph. All of that in terms of the code aspect is important.
2: So when you develop and optimize the content on your website, um, how do you use that to optimize and improve its SEO performance?
1: so that is a great question so in terms of like images for example there are ways for you to inject the description that would be appealing for someone that can't see the image uh ada compliancy for example it is imperative that each and every image does not just have the title of what the image came from you know how when you take a picture it shows when that picture was taken and the file number. You need to remove that and state what the image is. Not only that, but there is something called Alt, uh, your Alt tag of that image. That is where you specify the purpose of that image. So everything that you put on your website needs to convey in English, or of course, if you're Spanish or whatever, your target language, It needs to have all of that content or that context in your content.
2: And then also because Google doesn't have eyes or anything, tells Google what that picture is, right? Absolutely. So it's good for being ADA compliant, but also for SEO optimization. Is that what you're saying?
1: Absolutely. Okay.
2: So... Um, I, I actually see this a lot on websites where they have no alt text, um, they, they are not ADA compliant, um, and they also don't even have a privacy policy or anything. And that is like an easy way for somebody to sue you because if you're collecting like information on the website at all, then... People need to, they have a right to know what you're doing with it. Can you talk a little bit about a privacy policy? I know you're not like a lawyer, but you you do build these, right?
1: Absolutely. Now, in terms of a privacy policy, I actually had a lawyer create a template. And then I had, uh, and then I basically gutted the template and added code to it so that I could automate the process. All I have to do is type in the owner's name, their phone number, their email, how to contact them, and what uh, county, their jurisdiction, if anyone were to try and sue them, where they would have to go to court on that. Uh, It is imperative, imperative for you to have a privacy policy, A, specifying the, uh, the type of content, what audience needs to be, how old the audience needs to be reading and and viewing your content. Uh, Most of the time, I specify the age of 18 or above Mm -hmm. just to make it easy.
2: Yeah. So you, I think that's going to be in our newsletter as well, Mm -hmm. that the first step is they need to make sure their location is on the website. Uh, also some sort of analytics tracker, and then make sure that you have a privacy policy and you're ADA compliant, because those are like, especially the ADA compliance. Um, I saw in a local Facebook group, uh, people complaining that they couldn't open their business. It's this very old historic building because it's not ADA compliant. And they said that the government was micromanaging their business. And uh, there's nothing that I could have said to make them understand like, It's not my, like being your website, your building, whatever, being ADA accessible is not a, it's not like a burden on you. It's not, it shouldn't be a privilege for people who are disabled or who have physical limitations. They should get to enjoy the same things that we do as, you know, people who can see and hear and move. We're very privileged to be able to do all of that. And I don't want somebody to feel like they can't come here just because they can't do the same things I can.
1: Absolutely. And it's not
2: Absolutely. its not micromanaging.
1: And it's not actually the government facilitating that. It is people suing other companies for not complying. Yeah. And then the government has to get involved. Yeah. It's
2: a federal regulation. It's a federal law because... the ADA is a protection agency for people with disabilities or who, who require special accommodations. It's, it's, I'm sorry, I went off a little tangent, but, but like having, you know, your website be accessible is very important, not only for SEO reasons, but do it because it's, yeah, it's it's the right thing to do. Like everybody should be able to access your website. That's the end of my, thanks for coming to my Ted talk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a very important Ted talk.
2: Yes. It is, and I think it's worth noting on our newsletter that that your website should be ADA
0: compliant. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, something else that's become more and more common is making sure that your website is mobile compatible. Because especially when you go and you look at when people are visiting your website over on your Google Analytics, it's going to be over 50%, way over 50% that's going to be looking Mm -hmm. at it mobile. Uh, to the point that a lot of people build websites and you might as well they'll build the mobile first and make sure it looks best on mobile and then worry about the desktop so how do you handle uh, making sure everything looks best on mobile and how can someone who's kind of doing it on their own make sure that it's mobile compatible the
1: easiest approach whether you're using bing or google chrome is to use what is known as developer tools what it will do is it will break down the different types of screen sizes as though uh, it changes the web browser based off of those particular device types. Uh, a big limitation that I had before, uh, when I was first starting out, I was on a Windows PC, and I was also trying to see how it would seem on an iPhone or a Mac or whatever. These Google development tools, they will actually break that down based off of whether you're on iOS versus Android. So. Very important way to to measure that. Uh, However, you you did state something. Uh, You said that most people go mobile first. I actually go opposite. I I do desktop first, make sure it looks perfect on desktop, then tablet, then mobile. But everything that I build off of is based off of a responsive templating structure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Responsiveness meaning based off of the size of the screen.
0: I see a lot of people who have websites or have had them for a long time and they have never even thought about the fact that it might look like crap on mobile. So how important is that? Is that really going to mess up people's ability or desire to go through your website? Cause it bothers me when I go on a website and this is not mobile compatible. Yeah. I can't get to the buttons. Things are all over the place.
1: Most definitely. If you, if you are not thinking about the client, the vast majority of your clientele being on a mobile device, then you are uh, royally doing a disservice because when you think about it, if you're not mobily, if you're not thinking mobily and you've got a paragraph and then you've got an image and then you've got another image, another paragraph, and then links at the bottom of the, the blog uh, to a reader on that mobile device, they're going to see paragraph, image, image, Paragraph, button, button, button. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you think of it on a mobile scale, you can actually make those buttons pop up at the, the first paragraph, the second paragraph, and the third paragraph. The same thing goes with having text, image, text, image. Mm-hmm. Very important.
2: So it needs to look different on mobile than how it looks on desktop, is that what you're saying? Like it actually needs to be different. It's a vertical screen versus a horizontal kind of screen. A different experience on desktop and mobile.
1: Now there are certain types of websites that you can't really get away with that. Uh, One being a media source. Uh, uh, When you have a whole bunch of different news articles rather the way that they are just going to be inherently is that it's going to be that article, mm-hmm. maybe coupled in with some, some ads and stuff like that. But there's not a huge way of being able to navigate around that mobile difficulty. But
2: that's, like, intentional, though. Mm-hmm. Like, when people go to, like, a news website, they they are looking for that headline. They're looking for that picture. Whereas if somebody's looking at a, you know, non-news business website, they're not they're looking for content. They're looking for like more like qualifying content, but the news is the news. You know, I feel like sure. the experience is different because the expectations are different. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, does that, does that make and, sense?
1: Well, yes, absolutely. And and for those content driven sources like a media uh, or a news station, uh, people are going to go to that site. Mm-hmm. Whereas they're not trying to search to go to a collection of sites yeah. that share Uh, similar
2: services.
0: Yeah. So SEO kind of floats around both on the website and off the website. So when we're just dealing with the SEO of the website itself, what are some of the very basic key things that people can do today to try and up the SEO presence of their website that they've already had built for them?
1: So listing out the most important key notes of that particular blog or page uh, mentally before you even look at your website is very important. Always think of your content as an outline. Every single outline has got to have a main title, which is H1. When it comes to web development land, there is your H1 tag all the way down to your H6. And then you've got paragraph. Uh, but that's beside the point. You have to measure your level of importance between your H2 and your H6 tags, but that H1 is your title. That is the main purpose of your blog or page.
0: Okay, And so for H1, that stands for header one. So mm-hmm. when you look at a, a website, typically your H1 is the big bold letters at the very beginning that mm-hmm. says, hi, I'm a plumber. Mm-hmm. And then, so then they get smaller and smaller, just to kind of like clarify. Yes. That's what the yes. H1 and H2 and stuff. So yeah. Do they just like physically get smaller and that's how they recognize it? How does um, Google know what is the H1s?
1: So Google will see it based off of the tags. So you'll have an opening tag that says H1 and then you'll have a closing tag that's slash H1. Okay.
0: So
2: in the code.
1: It's in the code.
2: Yes. Yeah. And a lot of website developer tools will already have that like template for you. Mm -hmm. Like if you click heading one on Wix, it will put your header. So it's pretty cool. Like there's a lot of developer tools in the website builders themselves. And I'm only familiar with Wix, but I know a lot of people who use different ones like WordPress and stuff. Um, And you just have to, when you're writing like a blog, just click the font that says H1 or heading one. So that's pretty easy. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that people can do like today.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah, so sorting that out and then the alt text and stuff and making sure their yeah, photos are labeled correctly. Mm-hmm. Does, you have a there, featured and image. And name
2: correctly. Yeah, mm-hmm. Na- don't name your photos like I don't know, DSC00359. Like, it, you know, uh put like a, you know, Augusta Georgia Senior 1 or you know, if you're a senior photographer. You know, just an example that I'm familiar with mm-hmm. and get rid of, I've heard to get rid of like .jpg or .png and just keep the words in there.
1: So I don't necessarily know if you can remove the file extension. The file extension doesn't mean too much. Uh, however, if you are able to convert your images from PNG or JPEG to what is known as WebP format, that is the most optimized you can get.
2: Yeah. And sizing them correctly right. for websites, which you can literally Google, what size should my images be? I think it's same size as social media, right? 2048 or, um, yeah, just not like a full-size image because then when you load the page, it's going to take like five minutes for your right. image to right. load.
1: 1920 by 1080 is, is a good, large, uh, your largest image mm-hmm. in the page and then anything lower than that is 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 going to be good for you yeah. at least until 4k monitors become
2: yeah cuz nobody's going to be like pixel peeping on your image really they just yeah. want to like look exactly. at your image mm-hmm. <laughs> so as long as it's good quality then it's fine yeah. so as far as off page i know you talked about what that is earlier but what is your kind of top tips for off page seo
1: so in order for you to convert a client they are going to look at a couple of different things. They're going to see your website and see how functional it is and everything like that. However, if you don't have any Google reviews, they are like, less than likely going to choose you. So a big number one uh, t- topic for off-page SEO is Google or realistically any listing, reputation management having people review your website, but also for you to respond to those reviews in a relevant way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Always being professional, and actually, especially if there is a negative review, for you to show that you care about your client's satisfaction, it may be that it's never going, you're never going to satisfy that client. However, for another potential client, If they see that you actively engaged that negative review and you you did your best to provide that ethical mode of making them happy, that is the way to do it.
2: Yeah, because you can tell a lot about a person or a company based on how they respond to conflict Mm -hmm. because then you kind of see why that bad review makes sense if the business owner responds in a way that is like, oh, yeah, I can see that problem happening or just being petty or like – um, uh, I've seen some crazy owners responding to bad reviews. Yeah. Like people get
0: really up in their feelings yeah. and they lose their business now. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. I saw one on TikTok earlier, but the business is now closed because, and it was after they responded to this like pretty like polite, bad review. I mean, I've heard people say that they have a harder time trusting companies who don't have more critical reviews than companies who have like all five-star reviews, which Absolutely. I think that's the goal. You want all five-star, but you you know like you get to see the real meat
0: of yeah. of the person well, it, human so there's yeah. going to be mistakes and yeah wonders that happen yeah people always like to leave reviews when something bad happens exactly so yeah it's, it's like yelp. you don't go
2: on yelp to leave like good reviews really you go on yelp to be like don't go to this place <laughs> it's awful <Indeed. laughs> so try to like how do you think you can incentivize people because i think that's what a lot of people worry about like how do i get them to write google reviews? Like. Like I don't think you need to incentivize them really. Yeah, ask. You yeah need just you ask, ask. I don't think people ask. Yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. 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 And
1: and actually those tools uh, there are definitely tools out there that will send uh, Google uh, review requests or Facebook review requests. Mm-hmm. Uh, there another great way and actually free way is for you to use your business card, go to qr.io. What you can do is you can actually get your Google URL from by going to your Google platform, you can extract that address and put it into a favicon to print out on your business cards, your brochures. There's your all, link trees. Your absolutely <laughs> everything. Everything that you have yeah. at your disposal to make it as easy as, as possible yeah. for someone to review you.
2: Yeah. Cause if, you don't want to add to anybody's homework. Cause like, even if they want to write a review, they might just genuinely forget, you mm-hmm. know? So I like, I prefer to do it when I'm in person with them when we're sitting together and you know, no pressure or anything, but just like, Hey, will you make sure that this opens up for you? And then, you know, would you write a review for me? And I'll, I'll, you know, it can be awkward to like write a review in front of people, sure. but I don't, I've never had a problem with it. I think people get in their own heads about mm-hmm. it. Like, it's, it's kind of like asking like a waitress, like turning the computer screen and be like, give me a tip kind of. it It's a little awkward, but like, when else are they going to do it? You know, like they, they need their tip.
1: When you are first starting out, it is your first clients that mean the most, uh, especially within mm-hmm. that first five to seven year. And, and they are more likely to be more understanding that Mm -hmm. yes you need this google review when you get to that point where you are past that five to seven marker you are gonna probably want to pay that money for a solicitation review management system rather than you going to every joe and asking for their review
2: basically figure out the basics And then you will still eventually need to outsource for for all of these experts that we're bringing. And that's what I'm seeing. It's like, you can learn how to do it to a certain extent on your own, but eventually you won't be able to keep up, especially if you hire employees or contractors or whatever, like you need help with, as your business grows. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. That's a really good thing. Like if people come to you, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Like they're getting serious about their SEO Mm -hmm. and you can bring them good results.
1: Absolutely. So
2: it's like, an accomplishment. Uh,
1: at the end of the day, you cannot do everything.
2: Thank you so much, Reed, for coming on and talking to us about SEO. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you?
1: Oh, uh, you can find me at victory.com.
2: All right. And are you on social media at all? I am.
1: I've got a LinkedIn page under my name, Reed McDowell, M-C-D-O-W, or Facebook. Uh, both, I have an, an Innovation V page Although I will say I (laughs) neglected, but you can find me on Facebook as Reed McDowell.
2: Yeah. I feel like Facebook business pages are like neopets. They just kind of like, they they just get neglected. (laughs) (laughs) Although my Facebook business page comes up high up in Google for some reason. And I neglect it. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. Um, We wanted to remind you to like, uh, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube, uh, to follow our podcast page on your favorite podcast streaming service, which you're probably on right now, Um, and keep uh, signed up for our newsletter. If you go to cevtbpodcast.com, right there on the front page, you don't even have to scroll. You can sign up for our newsletter where we're going to be sending out the actionable steps from our SEO expert, read where you can basically take these steps and get to work for improving your SEO presence online.
0: And with that, we want to thank you for joining us today on the Clever Entrepreneurship Podcast. Have a beautiful day and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. And remember, while we aim to provide you with practical and knowledgeable advice, it's important to do your own research and consult with a professional before making any decisions that could impact your business.
2: The information we provide is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal, financial, or any other professional advice.
0: And with that, we want to thank you for tuning in to Clever Entrepreneurship Beyond the Boardroom. Until next time, keep building and growing your business.